Uh, good morning, everyone. Another solo cast. This time, early in the morning, while I drive to work, uh, because this is something I just, I had a hard time sleeping last night, y'all. I did not sleep well, uh, because I've been thinking about this particular subject all night. The moment I heard it, something within my heart and and my mind just started, it just kicked it into high gear. And to the point where I have to, to the point where I have to, uh, I was like, man, I got to talk about this. Or it's going to drive me absolutely insane. And so the subject I want to talk about is something that's become relatively uh, relevant and and emerging um, in Pentecostal Christianity and now even uh, modern evangelical Christianity. It's this concept of generational curse. It's it's something that's been taken out of context from the Old Testament, particularly Deuteronomy, in which it says, and the sins of the father will fall upon the son to the fourth generation, etc., etc. Now, this is by far um, really the only time you hear about it, other than in this particular instance with this child well it wasn't really a child it may have been a teenager this young man that Jesus encounters in the gospels in which the Pharisees ask him whose sin has caused this because this is where the concept of generational curse is now emerging once again and Jesus' response is what what now I don't have my Bible open in front of me because I'm, I'm driving in the car but Jesus is almost dismissive of this very concept because in in New Testament Christianity in the in the culmination of the new era the fulfillment of promise This concept is washed away. It no longer exists. Because the curse in and of itself is the curse of the law. And that curse being you cannot fulfill the law. Even with your best efforts, it is impossible because of your sin nature. Your sin nature. The generational curse being the sin of omission, the sin of the fall, and it following and affecting all of humanity. If we want to talk about generational curses, that, my friends, is it. But it's this whole concept that, you know, the reason why you make the poor decisions 
that you do is one of two things. It's the enemy personally attacking you. And beloved, listen to me when I say this. You are not that important. And Satan is not omnipotent, nor is he omnipresent. Meaning that he is not all-powerful and that he is not everywhere always. There is only one being that holds those divine attributes. It is only one being who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present, and that is the triune God. To attribute those divine attributes to someone who is not divine, if I'm going to call a spade a spade and say it is what it is, it's a form of idolatry. Because you are now attributing divine nature to that which is not divine. You are giving away aspects of who God is to that which has been created. And it's a dangerous place to be in. It's a different conversation for a different time. But I need to, I feel the need that this is something that we need to know. You are not, in the grand scheme of redemption, while you have a place and purpose, overarchingly, Satan's got bigger things to deal with than just you. His fight is against the triune God more so than over his people. And I know what you're going to say, well, what about the book of Job, blah, blah, blah. Well, Job is a, is a poetic device. I don't believe that Job actually happened. It was a literary expression of God's faithfulness in the midst of ultimate suffering. Um, if it actually happened, listen, I don't know. Most biblical scholars are unsure as to whether Job was a real individual. Because just the way the story goes sounds like a literary example rather than a historic account. But generational curses. You know, I was talking to a friend that, that, that we're, we're planning on doing an episode together and I, I asked him quickly, I was like, man, what do you think about this? Because it's, it's, something, it's something that that is really bugging me a little bit and, and we're in agreement with this we we both think that generational curse the concept of generational curse um, is eradicated under the blood of Jesus Christ and what do I mean by that and, and what does it mean when we continue to espouse things like this concept of generational curse. Well, when we continue to espouse this concept of generational curse, uh, when we, we what we are doing in essence is limiting the efficacy of the cross of Jesus Christ. And when I say that, I'm saying that we're saying that God is not capable of redeeming and restoring all of it every aspect of ourselves 
we are saying now that God is not all-powerful, that he is not mighty to save, completely, holy, and totally, but that it's only a partial salvation. Now, no one who talks about generational curses is going to come out and just be like, you know, God only saves you partially. Now we got to work on this, this generational thing you got going on. No. That's, that's not what happens. But this is what ultimately, if you follow the logic to its conclusion, this is what we are saying when we say things like, you are still under a curse. When you are still under the power of something, there is something that at the moment of your conversion, at the moment in which God saves you, that God could not overcome in that instant. And that thought, that that very, the, the very utterance of it, man, it scares the dickens out of me. Excuse me. It's it's terrifying. Because that's not a place I ever want to be in. I for one do not want to believe in a God who who is only partially powerful. Who only offers partial salvation only offers partial redemption and reconciliation. Because if one thing I've learned with God, it's all or nothing. God either goes all in or he doesn't go in at all. And when we're talking about this I mean, ultimately, man, and again, you know, raw, unscripted, completely off the top. I'm literally driving behind a box truck on my way to work this morning. I was about to make a turn, so I got to slow down real quick. what you get when it's a one take really going on is and to be 100% honest uh, it's it's a lack of personal responsibility ultimately this is what it is it's an unwillingness to take ownership of your own stupid decisions. So we, 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 we go, well, the reason why I do these things is because of X. 
And the reason why I do these things is because of Y. And the reasons why I do these things is because of Z. Rather than taking ownership of our own decisions, of our own actions, and actually being repentant of them. Because this is what happens with, with, you know, the enemy is really, really going hard against me. Those kind of statements were, you know, well, or we tell somebody, well, this is just the effect of a generational curse. We need to break that. Beloved, it's already been broken. If there were, if there were any generational curses... The blood of Jesus Christ and the salvation that you are given, the restoration that you receive, the grace and mercy of God that you get from that thing utterly destroys any generation. If there were, it is destroyed. It is no longer. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is what the Bible says. The only problem is, is we live in a culture in which personal re- responsibility is taken not only just a back burner, it ain't even on the stove anymore, especially in Christianity. And we as Christians will now try and skirt that responsibility to anything and everything but ourselves. Anything and everything but ourselves. Listen, I understand personally, every decision that I have made has been my own. And every consequence of those decisions have rested upon my shoulders because they're mine. Not because of some generational curse. Not because the enemy is trying to take me out. No, because I was a, I was a flippin' idiot. I thought I knew what was best for me in those moments, and the consequences were poor. One of the consequences was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. It's God taking my stupidity and working it out for good. That which the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. You know, I could be dead right now. I could not be here, could not be recording this podcast, I could not have the friends I have cannot be pursuing my calling in the way that I am. I could be six feet in the ground because my decision making was not only poor, it was deadly and dangerous. Quite often the consequences of those decisions should have been death. Yet I remain. But it isn't because of some wild concept like you were under a generational curse. Because here, here's the linchpin. Because the concept of generational curses rests upon the father. Follow me on this? Are you tracking where I'm about to go? Those who are in Christ Jesus have a different father. And in him there is no sin. In him there is no curse. 
So what you're saying, when you're saying that you are living out the effects of a generational curse as a new creation, whose father is God, blameless, sinless, without error, is you're saying that a portion of his divine nature is corrupted. Let you sit with that for a second. I want you to, I'll say it again. Say it again. This whole concept of generational curse based upon this passage in Deuteronomy in which the sins of the father fall upon the son. As a new creation in Christ Jesus, you have a new father. And if you're espousing this ridiculousness of generational curse, what you are saying is that there is a corrupted aspect of God's divine nature. And it is affecting you in a way that is not of God. Beloved, we need to stop. We need to just stop. We need to stop. We need to grow up just a little bit and begin to realize who our father is now and that those quote unquote gen- now listen there are individuals who are under the effect of generational curses right now I'm speaking to Christians those who have been saved by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ I'm not talking about those who are unrepentant I'm not talking about as, as, as Paul puts it, the sons and daughters of disobedience. I'm not talking to those people right now. Right now I'm talking to you, beloved. Those who have been saved by Jesus Christ. Whose father is Jesus. Jesus' father. Beloved, you have a new father. A new nature. A new everything. The old is gone, the new has come. This this is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. says I do not bring condemnation I do not bring a curse with me I bring freedom and restoration and reconciliation and relationship these are things that Jesus brings to the table none of them are negative there is no more curse 
It doesn't exist anymore in the life of a believer. We need to stop saying these things because it diminishes the holiness of God. It spits in the face of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It tells God that He is not good enough. He Himself is not enough. He is not mighty enough to save. And this is a fight I will fight until I am called home to glory. Beloved, we need to start taking responsibility for our own poor decisions. My alcoholism that I that I fought against was not some generational curse. Neither of my parents were alcoholics. count on two hands the number of times I have seen my mother partake in any significant way an alcoholic beverage I mean her tolerance is ridiculous a glass of wine could put her out but she doesn't There was a brief period in which every once in a while she'd have a drink, but even then, she didn't really, she didn't drink. And same with my father. That was my that was my sin nature playing out in its particular way. That was mine. Now have I've now found deliverance in it. I'm not stupid. I don't go out and drink scotch. But I now have the ability to say no to that temptation. But it's not because of some generational curse that I had. Because if generational curses were real, I'd be in jail for uh, domestics. Because that was my father's primary sin. Domestic violence. For the first 10 years of my life, that was my life. I don't, I don't, my sin nature doesn't play out in that way. And don't you, I'm going to say this, don't you dare try to say that my response to it was addiction. And that that was the aspect of the generational curse. That, no, 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 hell no, 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 hell no. No. 
No. This needs to end. This needs to stop. Because by by espousing things like generational curses, you are excusing poor behavior and a lack of discernment. You are giving an excuse to people to continue in their sinfulness. And that is reprehensible. That is that is abhorrent. And I I can't do it. The only thing I can do is speak out against it. And say, listen, this 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 junk needs to go. And those of you who espouse it, those of you who have bought in to this cow pile. really need to start thinking deep about who it is you really believe in and start really digging deep into who he is. Because God is not God that's going to leave you in a place in which you are still under some fallacious curse. He frees you from it. He rescues you from the curse. And that's not even the curse that he's talking about. But you have been rescued from it. You have been restored from that thing. You have been made new. You have a new father. Who is uncorrupted. Who is perfect and pure. You are now part of a new genealogy. So that generational curse, if there ever was one, ceases to exist in Christ Jesus. It it, it can no longer exist. There is no shadow. There is no shame. For you have been made new in Christ Jesus. That's part, that is the crux of of the gospel. That's part of the deliverance and reconciliation of the spirit of the repentant. He calls you out of darkness and into light. He calls you out of curse 
into blessing. There is no generational curse. There is no spot, nor blemish, nor corruption in your father. And we need to start reconciling that within ourselves. We need to start remembering whose we are. Because this is this is getting too much. It's filling up my news feeds and it's infiltrating and finding its way into the hearts and minds of people that I love and care for. And I don't I don't care who you listen to who your, your spiritual stepdaddy is or anything else. The word says. The word says. That he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He who knew no sin became sin so that your sins may be forgiven. This is what the word says. The word says you are blessed and not cursed. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I never thought I would ever use that Pentecostal phrase. Oh, man. never thought I would end up using it. But this is what the word says. This isn't what so-and-so says. This isn't what apostle so-and-so says. This isn't what prophet so-and-so says. I don't care about your title, homie. I don't care about your name or whatever ministry you're trying to, to push off the ground or get going. Because when you preach about those things, you are preaching bondage. Not me. Ah, uh, not me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to preach freedom. Because here's the thing. Once you start talking about, well, you have this particular gen, people are going to start looking for that as an excuse for their sinful behavior. They're going to start looking for that as an excuse to their poor decisions. That's what's going to happen. That's what does happen. That's what is happening. But it's almost like no one wants to follow the line of thought out to its logical conclusion. No one wants to go there 
because all of a sudden all this stuff it don't make sense anymore all these things we talk about blaspheme God and that it's knowing sorry tangent I'm seeing flecks of snow flying around as I'm driving to work so side note listen I I will stay where God has called me Uh, but my mother dragged me to this state because she loves the leaves changing and she really likes snow can I just say The snow is disgusting. I just don't like snow. Probably, I loved it when I was a kid because of sledding and stuff. But as an adult now, who actually has to do things, snow is a major detriment. It is just... Snow is a generational curse. (laughs) No, 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 I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Beloved, we need to be done with these foolish thoughts. We need to walk away from these things because they make no logical or spiritual sense. It's about as, as, uh, as it, may, it makes as much sense as that book, The Zimzum of Marriage. It's taking things completely out of context so that it might fit a paradigm that we have created for ourselves. So that it fits a mental framework. When I say paradigm, a mental framework, a a design of our own imaginings. So that it fits that in a way that makes us feel a little bit more comfortable. You know, I really don't mean for these episodes to just be me ranting about things in my car that that's not the purpose that was not the intended purpose of this podcast but there's just a lot of weird stuff that we believe And I feel the unction. It's been a long time since I felt this unction. But I feel the unction to pick up my sword once again and fight the good fight. 
is some of the things that we believe, some of the things that we espouse, some of the things that we say are true, do no good. None whatsoever. They do, they do nothing for anyone. And, well, they do something, but it's not in any positive form. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I have the hiccups. It's not It's not in any positive way. more detrimental than it is good. And so I'll continue. I'll continue to to speak against those things. But also, do my best to encourage you. Because being negative gets you nowhere. Seemingly being critical of everything and everyone doesn't get you anywhere either. under the curse of sin both of omission and commission and yes sometimes I fall sometimes I stumble sometimes I sin but now I can wage war against it I'm no longer slave to it 
because that's the other thing we're saying when someone is under the effects of a quote-unquote generational curse they are still under they are still enslaved and that is in complete and utter opposition to the gospel and to the word of God prayer is adequate. I think it's appropriate. So join with me. Father, we we thank you uh, for the opportunities every day to bring glory to you. We thank you for the freedom that you have given through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we praise you that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to our own vain imaginings. Father, continue to work within us as we continue to pursue you, as we continue to live out our name for your name. In this we pray. Amen.